I'm Chloe Roll, and welcome to Health Glow with Chloe Podcast, the show where we tackle many health topics with a variety of professionals from all over the world. As a disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitution for a diagnosis. Kindly consult your physician with any questions you may have regarding your medical condition. Always remember, a healthy glow starts from within. Welcome to Health Glow with Chloe. I'm your host, Chloe Roll, and today I have a great guest on the show here with me. But as a disclaimer, I'd like to say that this episode is for mature audiences only, meaning anybody over the age of 18. And I would like to thank Dr. Canary for coming on the show today. She is not only just a psychiatrist, sorry, but she's also a sex therapist, which is the purpose of today's show. Thank you for coming, Dr. Kinney. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So I like to open up the show with your favorite quote and why. Yes, yeah, so um, I actually have quite a few quotes. It was so hard for me to just pick one. So I actually have two that I do want to share. So, okay. So my first favorite quote is be optimistic. Think that great things are coming. No matter what you're currently going through, think there's so much to look forward to. And the author for that one is unknown. So sorry, I can't tell you who that person is because it's an unknown. And then my second favorite quote, because I really love just affirmations. Every morning I'm constantly, um, I think that everyone, that's a routine that everyone should do is to always just have some affirmations. Um, So my other favorite affirmation is that I repeat daily is I will remain focused on my goals. Even if I have a moment of difficulty, I will not give up. I know success comes with consistency. I know that I will make it, things will get better. No problem or challenge will stop me. Everything I deserve is coming my way. That is a word. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Canary? Absolutely. So hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Canary. I am a certified sex therapist, as well as a psychiatrist. So I'm a medical doctor, and I am the founder of Mind Body Sex, where I combine psychiatry and sex therapy. And I'm just helping to improve people's sex lives while nurturing their mental health. And I'm just helping to cultivate happy, creative, and independent individuals. And can you tell me the role of a sex therapist and who comes to see a sex therapist? Absolutely. So everyone comes to see a sex therapist, your grandma, your mama, your auntie, um, absolutely everyone. It is not for a specific age or a specific gender. Um, We pretty much help everybody. And there isn't a problem that is too big or too small um, that we can't fix. So that's for one. Um, And as a sex therapist, what I do is I specialize in uh, what we call psychotherapy. And it's a general term 
um, that is used for the treatment of mental health problems by talking to a mental health professional. So sex therapy is really not just about sex. Yes, we get into the fun things like Karma Sutra, um, but we address your concerns that you might have with libido, whether that's a high or low libido, um, sexual function, your sexual feelings, intimacy, romance, individual therapy, couples therapy, family therapy. We really do it all. Okay. And so I have some myths to debunk. Um, one is that I have to be a, in a relationship to see a sex therapist. That'd be true Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, that is a very common myth that I hear, but actually 75% of my patients are males and I want to say about 50% of them are single males. And Ooh. sometimes they just come to me because they want to make sure that they are not only having safe sex, um, but they want tips and tricks in the bedroom to make sure mm -hmm. that they're doing the right thing. Um, and a lot of times they just want to know how to speak to women. Like, what do women like? Right. And the second one is, if my spouse and I have to go to sex therapy, it means that the relationship is over. Absolutely not. So that's another common myth that I hear a lot. Just because you go to sex therapy does not mean that your relationship is over. In fact, we, in any type of therapy, that means that you, there's an issue, you've recognized the issue, and now you want help for that specific issue. Right. So we're there to actually tighten your bond um, and make you guys closer. And then we just give you those tips and tricks that you need to help facilitate to make that bond even more special. Because sometimes people forget to keep that intimacy and romance first. And right. intimacy is not sex, guys. Intimacy is what you use to build up the sex or what you have after you have sex. So we help to strengthen that bond. We explore any sexual trauma that might be hindering you from having an ama amazing relationship. So no, just because you see a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, we're here to help into the betterment of your life, essentially. Okay. And the third one is, Sex therapy is only for people who have serious problems with sex. Absolutely not. Once again, sex therapy is for everyone. Your 80-year-old grandma could go to sex therapy. Um, anybody can go to sex therapy that just wants to not only improve their sex life, but also to improve their life in general. Because sex therapy, honestly, is not just about sex. Like I stated earlier, right. we actually dive into any traumas that you might have. Um, we dive into your adolescence, your childhood. So before we even get to the sex, there's so much that we have to cover before that. Right. So, you know, for you to have great sex, your mental has to be right. You cannot have great sex and you're stressed and you're depressed and you're paranoid and you're anxious. You're not going to have good sex. Everything is a balance. And my last one is men only would want females to orgasm to stroke their ego. Oh my God. You know what? <laughs> I, I have heard that before. And for some men, it actually might be true. Um, some men might only want women to orgasm because so they can be like, oh, well, I make women orgasm. But what I've really found is a lot of males are very curious about the, the women's anatomy because they don't know a lot about it. So right. a lot of them really going with good intentions of really wanting their partner to experience pleasure. So if you have a male that is narcissistic like 
that and he only is seeking your pleasure because it fulfills him then you need to get a new partner because your partner should really be about fulfilling you because he knows that these are the things that you like and he's putting your pleasure at the forefront just like you should put his pleasure at the forefront right i do agree that it should be a balance so we have a few topics our first one really is dealing with the lack of intimacy And my first question to you is, in your practice, what was the number one reason for a lack of intimacy between a couple? Ooh, um, a couple of things. One, I would say if they had just got married and trying to adjust. um, And then two kids. And really just life in general. Um, A lot of people experience a lack of intimacy because they just get so busy with life. And once you're used to and you're comfortable with your partner, you sometimes forget to act like how you guys did when you first started dating or you first got married. So, and that's everybody. That's just human nature. Like you get comfortable when you, even with your friends, you just get comfortable with them. You feel comfortable telling them anything, telling them your problems. And I think that especially when you get married, if you've been dating for so long, you just forget to bring back that spice. Right. So a lot of times, um, you know, people not feeling like themselves, dealing with depression, not feeling connected to their partner um, or any un, un, unaddressed or underlining resentment to, let's say if somebody cheated and it was never properly addressed. So those are probably the main things that I would see um, why people were having lack of intimacy. I know that for a fact, TV shows and well, radio talk shows, they often portray a lack of intimacy for older patients but i want to know does it use or does it usually occur in millennial um relationships and gen z relationships absolutely um i've honestly seen it across the board because i think that the thing with the the lack of intimacy is typically because a partner feels um emotionally abandoned or they've lost interest or desire for sex so right. this leads to what we call inhibited sexual desire so the fear of intimacy can cause partners to feel emotionally unavailable because if you're not feeling like yourself 100 percent and you're dealing with whatever mental health issue you're dealing with how can you pour from an empty cup you okay. can't you're lacking it yourself. So you're not going to give what you're lacking. So even with millennials, I think our issue, because I am a millennial, Mm -hmm. um, I think our issue as being millennials is we're not taught intimacy. We're not seeing that romance in movies. If you watch TV shows, I mean, you just barely see it. So we're just focused on the sex and the pleasure, but not focused on the emotional aspect, which is what intimacy is about, is that bond, that vibe, that emotional aspect. Are there different types of intimacy? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so, but they all kind of are intertwined. Okay. Um, but so the different types of intimacy would be like, because I think everyone thinks intimacy is just cuddling, but it's not. It's anything that you're doing with your partner that's creating a bond. Intimacy can be riding a bike together. Intimacy can be cooking together. Intimacy it is cuddling, taking a shower together, but not being sexual. Um, just doing something together. And that's why I tell people it's so important to know your partner's love language, to know your own love language. um, So that way you guys can pour into each other. 
Okay, I'm glad that you cleared that up because most people, they associate, I guess, the intimacy with the sex, just sex after. Yes, yes. And, but have you ever experienced a couple that could not repair the intimacy? And if so, what really are signs of no coming back in a relationship? The only couples I've had that could not repair their intimacy was really because they didn't want to. I think in any relationship, friendship, whatever you have going on, if you want it to work, it can work. The reason why relationships stop working, uh, and I'm not talking about toxic relationships, because sometimes you're with somebody and it's just not a good fit. They're toxic. Um, They belittle you. Then you, yes, you need to be out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. But if you are in a healthy relationship and you just have a couple of problems here and there because no relationship is perfect, everyone's going to have some type of issues in a relationship then a lot of times if you give up, the relationship didn't work because you just both decided to give up. You thought the grass was greener on the other side or whatever the case may have been. Because there are always ways in a marriage, in a relationship to rekindle the passion of your intimacy. So if people choose not to, it's because that's a choice that they're making. Right. So in my lifetime, I've seen a couple of cases where people... I guess when they're in relationships, some people now with the social media era, they disclose their intimacy or they put out their sex life or even yes. sometimes you see maybe just minor arguments on Instagram or Facebook. Yes. And so what I really want to know, what are the cons of social media and sex therapy together? I would say there's a con for the youth because... The direct negative impacts would be primarily, well, you know what, even for adults as well, because as women and men, we deal with body image um, and you're constantly bombarded on Instagram with unrealistic body types, images every day. So if you're a teenager at 14 seeing this and you see the same type of body image, you're going to think, well, why don't the girls in my school look like this? Or why don't the adult women that I see look like this? Right. And then there's cyberbullying. You know, you have people that really need help and they go on social media and they might say, oh, my husband cheated on me. And then you have women that are, you know, oh, well, you're dumb for staying with him right. and just really being mean. And, you know, we've all went through different things in our life. So I really don't understand when people name call and cyber bully on Instagram because no one's life is perfect. Regardless if you've not been cheated on, you've had some type of male issues or female issues. So... I would say that the cyberbullying, the body image, and the feeling of people really needing to get likes, not just saying stuff because that's how they feel, but saying stuff or posting things, feeling like they have to be sexy um, to get likes and to get the attention. Okay. And what would be some of the pros you think with social media and sex therapy? You know what? There's a lot of good information. And it's also a con because there's a lot of information that's incorrect. As Mm -hmm. a sex therapist, every day I see women and men just throwing out their opinion with no statistics or scientific evidence to back it up. Mm -hmm. And that's where a difference between someone like me being certified and not that education, education is everything, but not saying that because I'm educated, I know more than someone maybe that didn't get the degree. But the difference is, is I've actually had scholarly work that I've had to do to get this degree. Right. And sometimes when people's opinions, um, they're not able to back it up because it's just their opinion. 
They didn't do any research. They didn't read a book, you know, just nothing to back, no scientific data to back it up. So that's the other con about social media is anybody can put information on there. But the pro to that is, is people that typically would not have this type of information, they do have a resource. Right. So social media does provide, in a sense, a resource. But the issue is people do not take that resource and then do their own research. They take everything that somebody says, whether it's a celebrity, they take everything they say verbatim without doing their own research. And I think anytime you hear something on social media, do your own research, even if it is from a physician. Agreed. I tell my patients all the time, yes, I'm a doctor, but I'm not God. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know everything. I make mistakes. Do your research and enlighten me. Maybe there's something that you can teach me. So I agree. Well, one of the pros of social media for me was that I was able to stumble on your page. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I was able, yes. and I was able to find you. And I found that your page was so informative. Oh my and God, I saw that a good, a good response from a lot of um, individuals that's, uh, and themselves. So I was really happy to, I guess, find your Instagram and, you know, be able to connect with you. But I saw that you posted about orgasms. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know, is it socially <laughs> accepted to break up with somebody who doesn't make you orgasm enough? Is it socially ex- acceptable? This is the thing. It, it doesn't matter if it's socially acceptable. It's more so important what is important to you. Mm-hmm. And this is what I tell my clients. It's like big penises versus small penises. We, women, we can argue all day about what's more important, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it's what's important to you, you, not for me or anybody else. So what I tell people, if your partner is not making you orgasm, what if he has all the other qualities that you look for in a man and that you want, but the one quality he's missing is he can't make you orgasm. Well, is this fixable? Yes, that's the thing. It is fixable. So why can't he make you orgasm? Is he not good at using his tongue? Is he not good at using his penis? What is it you have to pinpoint? And that's, I think, with a lot of issues that we have in relationships is we get frustrated. And instead of being open and honest with our partner and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not orgasming, babe. Like, we need to try something different. We get embarrassed for them. Um, and we don't want to talk to them, but that's a part of being an adult is having sometimes those hurtful, but open and honest conversations, because if you want to be with someone and not cheat on them, you need to let them know how to please you. So as a woman or a man, if you're not having an orgasm, what is your partner doing incorrectly? And if you don't know, guess what? That's where a sex therapist comes in. And we help you pinpoint and figure that out because some women need multiple stimulation. They need anal and vagina. Or some women, they don't get any pleasure from a man going down on them, you know, but they get pleasure from you touching their breasts or kissing on certain areas. So maybe that their man is not doing certain things and he just wasn't taught those things and he doesn't know those things. Right. And I'm glad that you brought up the issue with communication. Most times, I guess both females and males don't really talk about what makes them orgasm. Right. And I'd like to know, what are some questions you should ask your partner if you want them to to orgasm? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
So communication is always key. And depending on, and of course, you're going to have to base it around your partner because you know your partner best. Right. Um, but a lot of times I always tell my clients, ask them, how can I please you? Or what pleases you? Because sometimes people don't even know what pleases them. And have they used hmm. um, dildos, hmm. you know, to get that double stimulation? Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to ask questions to really get an open and honest um, conversation going. And, and that's typically the problem is people are very, they're scared to kind of be honest. Right. But it's, it's so, it's, it's important. So, you know, ask them what makes them vulnerable, you know, what are their sexual fears? What are their sexual desires? And that's why it's so important to know somebody's love language as well is because do they like touch? Maybe they're not orgasm because you're not giving them that physical touch. Um, and ask them how much they've experimented. It's, it's important to know where your partner is because you might be more, what's the word I'm looking for? You might be more experienced than your partner and if you've had x amount of partners and x amount of sexual years being sexually active and your partner is a virgin and you're their first well then there you go they haven't had a lot of time to explore right so knowing their background with sex is there sexual trauma sometimes women and men can't orgasm because they've had sexual trauma they've been molested they've been uh, raped and then there's that ordeal so you have to really know your partner and know the reason why um, they can't orgasm. But some of the questions, once you know their background and let's say you're just, you're sexually getting to know them, um, you want to ask them like, if I was with you, which part of your body would you want me to kiss first or lick first? Hmm. Um, If you could have your way with me, what would you do? what type of porn do they watch? You know, so questions like that typically um, can get you started on the right path and just really asking what what makes you feel good. Right. And I, I totally agree with that. As I feel as if we don't ask that question enough. And oftentimes you end up with couples who are maybe 20 to 30 years later, they're completely miserable. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we're there to do. We're, we're there to help you because sex is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. Even when you love somebody, even when you're with your partner, it's uncomfortable to talk to somebody about sex. Even the person that you're having sex with can be, it can be uncomfortable. So that's what we're there for as therapists. We are there to make the uncomfortable comfortable and teach you guys the tools that you need to become comfortable in your body and with your partner. That's our job. Right. And so I have a question. Are there any new studies or techniques where men can reach their orgasms? Oftentimes we focus on the women. Mm-hmm. In fact, I see many blogs, uh, many Instagrams where they're just focusing on women orgasms. I don't believe they focus much on the men. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But are there any new studies or techniques around that? Um. No, you mean questions to ask the men or? Well, questions as well, um, or new ways to get them to reach an orgasm. Oh, yes. Yeah. So there's, oh gosh, there's a ton of, and, and that's once again, like knowing your partner. So what's your part? And the questions that I stated earlier, you can ask men that. 
babe, what brings you pleasure? What do you like? Do you like it when I touch you here? Do you like it when I do this? Um, so those same questions can be, they're irrechangeable. You can ask them for men, you can ask them for women, transgender, however you identify, right. um, you can ask them. Now, a lot of times with men, men are actually pretty simple when it comes to sex. Um, they like their focus on their penis. I mean, right. if we're being completely honest, like they, <laughs> like they're gonna tell you, I like my penis, like, touch my penis, suck my penis, do stuff with my penis, and I'm gonna right. be happy. Um, so how you though give fellatio um, and practicing that, because like, you know, it is something that you do have to practice. And I think a lot of women are intimidated by it because they're not, yeah. they feel like they're not good at it or for whatever reason, but it takes practice. Like with anything, if you want your man to please you, he's not going to know how to please you from day one. It's going to take some practice, him getting to know your body. So it's the same do things with men and as women just have that confidence have that sexiness um and just try different things try different techniques and if there's stuff that you don't feel comfortable with there's youtube there's porn i always use porn as um, educational because mm -hmm. it really does help with learning your male and knowing male anatomy ladies right. it's so important because when I teach my classes and I'm telling them about the scrotum and different things like that and different ways and things to touch and how to give a penis massage, their mind is blown. But if you know your anatomy and you know the different points and stuff to touch on a male, you're going to blow his mind. And it's actually really easy. Guys are actually a lot easier to please, I feel like, than we are. Oh, I could agree. Because um, we got a lot of moving parts down there. We have babies and we have minstrels. They don't have all that going on. So for them, I feel like that's why there's so many articles on how to please a woman and not a man, because men are very kind of simple and basic when it comes to pleasing them. Okay. And I pitched the same question for women as well. I know you said that it, it, with women, we go through different changes with our body, mm -hmm. but are there any new studies or techniques where women can reach their orgasms? Something that we should want to let the male audience know. Um, it's really dependent on your partner, but what I will say that I have found statistically that really helps women is double stimulation, dual stimulation. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is stimulating the anus as well as stimulating the vagina. And so that can be eating her out mm -hmm. and fingering her at the same time. So while your tongue is on her clitoris, you enter in one, two, most women like two fingers, however many fingers she likes to, mm -hmm. um, and then also the anus. Women's anuses also have a lot of nerve endings as well. So licking her anus, putting mm -hmm. your fingers in her vagina. So you want to do two things at once. And then don't forget about the inner thigh. The mm -hmm. inner thigh has a lot of little nerve endings for men and women. And men seem to forget about it. Um, so one thing that I always tell men, you know, if you want to get your wife, girlfriend, whoever in the mood, a massage, a sensual massage, mm -hmm. you know, and you really start off massaging them and then you eat her out, you touch her breasts. Um, so women really like double stimulation. We typically like two things going on simultaneously. So if we're being eaten out, then we also like to be fingered. If he's using, he can use a dildo on you and eat you out at the same time while massaging your breasts. Don't forget, men, you guys have two hands 
and 10 fingers. So they could be doing a lot of things at once. But a lot of men, I think they just kind of have to like concentrate on one thing at a time. So practice doing what we call a, a dual stimulation. And that's where you're stimulating several nerves throughout her body because the breast, behind kissing behind the ear lobe, um, the neck, people forget about, even the collarbone. So you just right. have to find her little spots. And it's going to be different on every woman, honestly. Okay. I want to say thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but I do, I have one question. Um, well, my last question is, I know that earlier you said that you've dealt with patients who've experienced uh, trauma with sex, but what are some steps that you feel that they should take in addition? Because I find that within the black community, we don't like to talk about sexual trauma. Now, well, back then, nowadays, I feel like it's becoming a lot more forefront with social media. So even if it's just one piece of advice or just one step, how do you help a patient who's experienced uh, sexual trauma? It's tricky. Um, So surviving a sexual assault, and I like to say surviving because they're not victims, they're survivors. Um, No matter what the circumstances were or how long ago it happened, it can change the way they experience sex. Um, For some, sexual contact can trigger upsetting memories or uh, physical reactions or leave them feeling like sad and distressed afterwards. So it's very important if you're dating somebody like that or you are somebody that's having sexual trauma um, to really allow yourself to get some professional help um, and Mm -hmm. to really heal because it is going to affect your sex life. And as it should, you know, typically you're not going to want to think about sex uh, a lot of the times after you've had sexual trauma or you have women that their libido skyrockets because then they use the sex as a way to control um, what, what kind of, what has happened to them, excuse me. So the first tip we always tell people that have had sexual trauma is to shift your thinking about sex. And of course, this is way easier than done. Um, You want to shift away from that from that sexual abuse mindset that you have um, and the negativity about your sex being unsafe or explicit to a healthy sexual mindset where sex is empowering, where it's nurturing and it's a choice. And that's hard to do, especially when that choice has been, you know, essentially taken away from you. And a lot of times, you know, depending on how often or when the sexual trauma happened, I tell them, put the brakes on sex. Like, Don't even think about having sex until you feel that you are in this right mind space that you want. So sometimes it's necessary to take time off from sexual contact. And it is hard when you have a partner. um, And sometimes it's even happened years ago. And they're like, why am I still thinking about that? Well, you're still thinking about it because it's not resolved. And honestly, with something like that, you might always think about it, but it doesn't have to control your life and consume your life. Um, like it did before. So uh, typically I tell people to take a break um, if they have been sexually assaulted, um, seek professional help. There's a lot of really good books that you can read um, about sexual abuse and overcoming um, that assault and everything like that. But the first thing you really wanna do is take time to heal and then be honest with 
yourself about what's happened because I've seen a lot of people try and hide they're ashamed and there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of if you're a survivor that's something that you've overcome and it's important that you have a support group right so people know you can't have a support group if nobody knows what you've been through and I've met women and men that were very ashamed to tell their spouses um, or their significant other. And I think that it's very important to let them know so that way they know how to better handle you and be better equipped in handling because you shut them out and then they can't help you because they have no clue what's going on. Okay. So Dr. Canary, I wanna say that you gave such a great, great advice today. Um, I'm sure my audience is going to be so thrilled when they hear this. And I want to um, just say thank you again for coming on the show. Can you please alert the audience uh, where they can find you? Absolutely. Um, so if you are interested in scheduling a consultation, um, you can find me at www.drdoctorm, as in Mary, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. Or you can shoot me a DM. My social media page is drdr.canary, C-A-N-A-R-Y, like the bird. Or you can find me on mind.body.sex, which is my business page where I talk about all things dealing with psychiatry as well as sex therapy. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you'd enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at chloe underscore v underscore. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.